the No Limiter Podcast, where we interview top business owners, entrepreneurs, and creators in every industry to help you set records, breaking, breaking months. Here's your host of the No Limiter Podcast, Regina Eileen Woodard. Hello, you are listening to the No Limiter Podcast. I am your host, Regina Eileen Woodard. And today I am joined with, she's my big sister to me, but to the world, she is State Representative Brenda Carter, representing District 29. She represents Pontiac, Michigan, Kegel Harbor, Sylvan Lake, and I know some other cities too, right? <laughs> yes. Orchard Lake Village, <laughs> Auburn Hills. Yeah. And soon, hopefully, to be Waterford. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that next connection of you guys being able to get Waterford um, on your district too. But first of all, I want to thank you for taking time out your busy schedule to talk to me today. But I'm, I'm going to call you State Representative uh, Brenda Carter. I want to call you Big Sister, but I'm going to make sure I, I'm going to try to refrain from that. But I wanted to chat with you today about the topic of um, city of Pontiac is on the rise. You know, I, I was born and raised in Pontiac, Michigan, but just until a year before COVID, I really started paying attention to the issues and the, the problems that we're having around the city of Pontiac. And when I thought about the topic, city of Pontiac on the rise, because it looks to me, and I'm not a political person, it looks to me that everybody is representative. People that are in office are banding together to make things happen, to things change. What are you focusing on right now? What's most important to you right now at this very moment? Well, Regina, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. You're dynamic. I've been on your show before and I love talking to you. But Pontiac is an incredible city filled with incredible people. You know, we've gone through some hard times and we have to realize that it was not really all our fault, okay? When we lost the automotive industry in, you know, 2010, uh, economically, we started crashing. I mean, this small businesses that depended on the workers who were working at General Motors and its suppliers, all of a sudden, these people were out of a job. Our whole community started caving in, you know, and it took a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work to avoid state takeovers, school closures. And this, what I can say about the community of Pontiac is that we're a tough little city. Okay. I mean, when we buckle down and focus, we're formidable. So this is what, when you talk about Pontiac on the rise, yeah, we had to overcome economic deprivation. That affected a whole entire generation, not having the money, the stuff that they needed. So I, I just totally agree, Pontiac is on the rise. You said economic desperation? What, what did oh, you say? I said economic <laughs> deprivation. Okay, De deprivation. <laughs> what, what does that mean? But for, for individuals that are watching and just trying to understand, you know, the political arena. What does that mean? Well, on the surface, so we can look at it, you know, jobs, 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 quality education, affordable housing, 
and, and good schools to educate our children. When your community is deprived of these resources, then you have no other choice but to see what's been going on in our community. And I would, I, I am pleased to say a lot of the uh, leaders in this city, faith-based leaders, uh, political leaders, organization, nonprofits, we recognized that this was going on in Pontiac and we started fighting it. But it was just deep and it's not just Pontiac, it's poverty all over the state of Michigan, but it seems to be more focused on majority minority districts like Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, Benton Harbor with its water crisis, and of course right here in Pontiac. So what we're looking at is bringing back good paying jobs, bringing back quality education, bringing back, most importantly, affordable housing. But in order to do with this, we have to deal with the, the, the community being deprived of these resources. And that's what I call economic deprivation. Well, you know, I remember when um, the city of Pontiac was thriving, when, um, you know, because we were known as the GM town. Now we're not known as a GM town. What is one thing that you want to see happen in the next year that's going to bring some things back or make things better for the city of Pontiac? I think with the what the electric vehicles coming in and the state of Michigan passing that $4 billion uh, uh, allotment to GM itself, uh, GM now has the resources that it needs to come back and actually refuel our community. One of the sites that they're looking at is Lake Orion. As you know, a lot of people worked in Lake Orion, and we still have people working over the powertrain headquarters. That's where I retired from. So I see some manufacturing coming back to Pontiac. And then, of course, businesses, small businesses, making sure that we keep our small businesses whole. We got to focus on them because, you be, believe it or not, small businesses are a large percentage of employment for our people. And it all goes, it goes all back, Regina, to making sure that our families have a living wage. Well, I, the one thing when I've been paying attention to you, um, I, I call it in the news, social media, um, and I visited, your, I visited your website, is that one of the things I've seen you focus on is small businesses. You know, you got Max Main, you have Sean Presley, you have Kano Phillips. You know, just, just tell me what... What is your vision far as with the small business owners? Because the small business owners are the ones that need to be able to survive. Because the Shore Mortgage and the other big companies that are that have come to the city of Pontiac, which we're very thankful for them, but the small businesses are the ones that need to be able to survive today. Well, see, you brought up some really incredible people um, from the profit, for-profit and non-profit sector. You know, the Sean Prestons with Yaktown don't back down. I go up to Lansing, and believe it or not, I go up to Lansing in the, in the chamber, and I'll, when I introduce myself, I say, Yaktown don't back down. You know, <laughs> seriously, because Pontiac is, this is not new to Pontiac. Pontiac historically has had entrepreneurs from day one, the Elam family. Come on, yes. who don't yes. know about, oh, Miss, you go and go back to Miss Wheatley's hot dogs. You, there's always been four brothers. With the economic deprivation, what happened with that, a lot of the small businesses were not able to compete with the big businesses. This is not just in Pontiac, this is everywhere. So when you go in the cities and you see closures where, you know, family businesses used to be, 
then you have to start doing something. So legislatively wise, we're looking at a, 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 a lobbying the government, lobbying the executive side, which is our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Governor Gretchen Whitmer to make yeah. sure that we provide the small businesses the resources that they need. I know that Dave Coulter on the executive side of the county has also been giving grants to um, uh, businesses that are headed by women and businesses that are headed by minorities. So it is a, it is a huge focus of the state, the county, and of course me, because I talk about it all the time. You know, we lost a very good business that was next door to my old headquarters. And I watched the pandemic shut this business down. And it was just a horrifying thing to see because with small businesses, that's their income. They don't have nobody else giving them a check. Right. So you, you've got to protect the small businesses because each one of those small businesses employs people, mainly local people. So if you lose the small businesses, you lose the, you lose the economic base that you need in your community. It, it just made me think about, I want to bring it back to, because we you want your focus right now. That was my focus I wanted to share on, but <laughs> let's go back to the, the gun violence. That's one of the things that you all are focusing on right now. Is that correct? Absolutely. I'm- no, I, so I was looking at your website and I know it was a seven-year-old that was, uh, well, I know because of the news, a seven-year-old was killed um, at the beginning. I think it was the, the middle of March. What do you want to see different? So things like that do not happen. My goodness. First of all, I'd like to focus on, like I said, root cause of why this is happening. And you would look in a lot of communities, communities of color, and you will see that same economic deprivation. When you are, when your back is up against the wall and you got to feed your children and you can't get a job and nobody, the whole thing, the whole dynamics that goes on in a majority minority communities then it really plays on your mental health. And I don't think we have put enough resources into working with the mental health of our community. So I was having a conversation with um, Dr. Um, Teresa Moore and her focus is like mental health. And mental health affects a lot of what, you could be going to work every day. You could be going, going on with your normal activities. Right. But when you get home and you're behind closed doors and you get in the bed and you just I mean, you cry or you just you act like nothing's going on. And I think the problem is, is like a lot of people don't deal with their mental health. They don't deal with if somebody passes away. How do you grieve? Should you grieve? So leading to my next question, we talk about mental health. What would you see different about the mental health? How could we put the mental health um, into someone's life? You know, just for instance, let me just finish. I know I'm talking, I'm giving you a long answer to it, but mental health. After the kid, after the child got seven-year-old got killed, should we be, are you guys going to rally be with the family, you know, to deal with that mental health? Has that been happening? And the answer to that, uh, not as much as I would like to see. OK, when when we had that unfortunate incident over in Oxford where four young people were shot to death, I mean, it was everywhere. Resources, counselors, of uh, uh, teddy bears, you name it. The whole world came to the rescue of these four, uh, the victims of the, the families of these four children. OK, and rightfully so. I'm not taking anything away from that because that was horrific. 
But in communities like Pontiac, where a seven-year-old is gunned down, what's where's the resources? She had classmates who no longer will see her in class. I actually get calls from uh, parents who are concerned that their children are traumatized, and not only in Pontiac. In fact, the most touching call came from Auburn Hills, where her five-year-old didn't want to go to school because she was afraid she was going to get shot. What kind of trauma is that? Okay, what kind of trauma is that? So we need to, once again, that root cause. And then we we need to have wraparound services. We got to make sure that if we have trauma, which I hope we don't have any more of these, Regina, I hope not another child anywhere gets killed. It seems to be an epidemic right now. But if we have this unfortunate incident happen again, we as a community need to come together and wrap around that family, wrap around those parents, wrap around the students, the whole nine yards to make sure that they, they, they're okay. Because you said it very, you said it very plainly. Yeah, we may go out and we may put on a good face. Yeah, we do. And, and a smile when we get home. Who do we call? Who do we say, hey, I'm at my end. I'm at, I, I can't take it anymore. What kind of mental health services do we have when we're being traumatized? And when you live in a community of poverty, you are automatically traumatized. Are you in the market for a new or used car? Whether you're in the metro Detroit area or anywhere in the U.S., call or text me at 248-301-0461. And I'll go to work on getting you the best deal possible. That's right. We'll deliver anywhere in the U.S. Call or text me at 248-301-0461. That's a that's a loaded that's a loaded conversation. That's like a five two hour conversation to how no just I mean seriously just how to make a difference in a community for so something that something like that doesn't happen because you like you said in other words it goes all the way back to the person that fired the gun. How was that person's mental mental state at that time? What would make you just want to grab a gun and shoot it? You know, was it aimed at the seven year? It doesn't matter whether it was aimed at seven year or aimed at anyway, but you grabbed the gun and this is what the outcome was or this is what the outcome is. So that's 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 very, very. Um, I mean, you're correct. You hit it right on the head. Mental health is the, the key to everything. Anything that you do, if your mind not right, then you're not going to perform any duties that you have. You'll be at work but you'll be at home and you'll be depressed. Oh, I just want to give a shout out to some very important people here because I've been working with this ever since my son was gunned down, okay? Since my nephew was gunned down, okay? So it's not something I read in a book and somebody's told me about, well, this is the way you should feel when you lose somebody close to you, the gun violence. But what I'd like to give the shout out to is to the young people your age, a delay of sharp, uh, Denise Harris, uh, Tamika Ramsey, uh, Raheem Harris. That yeah. generation now is saying enough is enough. And they're actually putting systems in place as we speak to mitigate gun violence. But we have to help them. 
And how we help them is by getting to that root cause. So we have organizations like CMS and CNS and all of these other organizations that deal with mental health that we have to build a collaborative collaboration with them that if we are traumatized, even if it's not gun violence, we need to build a system to help our community when they're facing depression, when they're facing uh, uh, one lady told me she was having today while I was out there canvassing, she was having an anxiety attack. She just couldn't take it no more. She was just there. And it should have been somebody, Regina, she could have called. Somebody could have talked her off that cliff. So, yeah, I just want to give a shout to those those young ladies and young men who are actually on the ground right here in Pontiac making a difference so we do not have another Ariah Jackson. So let, let me ask you this. When you, you know, you, you know, I had off, I forgot about that. And I'm sorry that your, your son was, was uh, gunned down because of gun violence, right? So were the resources there at that particular time when you had that happen to you personally? And you see me pausing, you know, and because you said something earlier about when you're, when you're not working and when you're not in front of a camera and you're all alone by yourself, yes. then the thought comes in your brain. And it's, it's, it's just as vivid today as it was when it happened September 14, 2019. Where is the resources? Where are the resources? Who can I pick up and call? We used to have in the old days uh, little groups that we could call survivor groups that you could sit in a, in a, in a group and talk like at, at a I got to tell you this. I went to a training held by Tamika, Delea and Denise, and I was surprised to see. This is this is a true moment here. I was very surprised to see the mother of Justin. Justin was one of the young victims of Oxford. She was in the room. When they told me who she was, let me tell you what I did, Regina. I just walked over to her and held her. And we both started crying. I, I, I knew that you were gonna say you hugged her because I know, I knew, I know what kind of person you are. It was quite incredible because. Um, Denise brought me over and said that, hey, this this is Justin's mother. No, she said, I want you to meet someone. And when she said that, she said, I'm Justin's mother. And I knew exactly who she was when she said Justin, because it was one of the four victims from the Oxford shooting. And what we did at that point is we just grabbed each other and hugged each other and just started crying, both of us, because we shared the same event. She lost her. I don't know if it was her only son. But I lost my only son. And it was just an incredible a moment of where the compassion was there. You were talking about who do you call in the middle of the night when the memories come? And, and I told her then, I said, no matter what, here's my number. You mm. call. You call me and I will talk you through it. You know what? God put you in the right place at the right time because you don't wake up and do the job that you're doing now, um, you know, you got to have a, um, you got to have a calling. I was looking back at your, your, your about Brenda on your website. And I was looking at the degrees, what you have and the leadership roles that you have played. But again, you don't wake up and become the famous state representative, Brenda Carter. You have to mold yourself and you have to grow. And I've been paying attention to you in the back room for the last 20 years. Because I remember when you were um, on the school board and 
I mean, I just remember how hard you went for the school system. And then when you became the first Afro-American woman to, to be a state representative of District 29, you made history. And I know that you got to go because you have interviews and things that you need to do. But, um, you know, I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me today. And um, I'm just going to make sure that we do a part two real soon. And um, I just thank you for sharing your time with me today. Well, Regina, I'd like to just say when I was your age, there were women who took me up under their wing and helped me to grow to become the person that I am today. And I am just so honored when I look at the young women, what you're doing, you know, how many cars did you sell today? I'm sorry to bring that up, but you know, that is not easy to do. And you have learned how to do it well. And this is when, this is what we feel good about when it's time for us to turn over that baton. We, we don't do this for personal gain. We do this to make sure that the next generation mm. The door is open for the next generation. Yes, I applaud. I applaud with all my heart. Supreme Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Yes. Who sat, said in her interview, she said, she quoted Maya Angelou. Yes, I may not get this all right, but she said, I am the dream and the hope of the slaves. And to get to where we have gotten to, yes. to know that, that we could have our first Black woman Supreme Court Justice for the state of Michigan, Kyra Harris Brown. Yes. I mean, Kyra Harris Bolden. Yes. Okay, let me get my colleague's name right because I know her well. But just to know that she is on the pathway to becoming the first Black woman Supreme Court Justice. What that says to you and what that says to your generation and what it says, most importantly, to the survivors who no longer will see Araya, those little girls in her class, is that we can do it too. That's why we do it. Regina, that's why we, that's the only reason we do it. And if you do it for any other reason, then you're disingenuous. I don't have any words to say about that. I'm gonna have to go get me a tissue. Write my makeup <laughs> off a little bit here. <laughs> Well, how, how would someone how would someone reach out to you, say Representative Brenda Carter? Well, if they like to contact me, I don't have a problem giving out my personal phone number is 248-521-9632. They can also email me at Brenda J. Carter 29 at gmail.com. Yes, Pontiac is on the rise. I feel very good with the young people who have taken the reins and they're moving mountains. And yeah. what they're doing is they're setting, they're opening doors for that next generation. Yeah. You watch and see the, the Pontiac that you knew, Regina, is coming back. And you know what? And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I re I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you and yeah. uh, have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you so much. And I'll be bringing my car in. Well, anyway, that's another conversation. Well, you know what? No, no, let me just say this. No, because everyone is watching. Our relationship goes back many years, 20, 20, 25 years. She also, State Representative Brenda Carter, representing District 29, <laughs> bought a car from the Queen. 
So, you know, when you, when you, when I, when I sell cars to customers, I have no clue of the relationship that we form. So I appreciate you as always. And um, I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Limiter Podcast with Regina Eileen Woodard. Remember to subscribe and review the No Limiter Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and the No Limiter Podcast YouTube channel. Every listen and review helps to get this podcast out to as many no limiters like you as possible.